Yes, indeed, there is a war. And Lord God, we thank you for the victory, that the battle belongs to you. That for those who are listening today, Lord God, for all of us, that we are brought into the fullness of the the peace of God, the rest of God, the victory. Faith is the victory that overcomes the world. And we thank you today for the revelation of your word, through your word, through your Holy Spirit, that you give us eyes to see and ears to hear and a heart to receive that revelation, that we would be encouraged that we would be strengthened, Lord God, in this place to stand and having done all to stand. Father God, that you are the one who brings forth the victory. I thank you, Lord God, that you also gave us power to uh, work with you as ambassadors of from, uh, from the kingdom of God to earth, to bind, to loose, to pray, to forgive, uh, to love our enemies, Lord God. And you've promised us that no weapon formed against us will prosper that the things Satan has tried to do to uh, undermine your people, your church through lies and counterfeits and deceptions will be removed, Father God, and that we will be brought into the fullness of the revelation that everything that has been hidden will be brought to light Mm. by your word and by your prophecy, by your promises and by your spirit, Lord God, that nothing that has been hidden will will remain hidden and that those things that are brought to light, Lord God, will also be brought to justice, Father. And we thank you now that we stand and having done all, we stand. Uh, Give us your wisdom. May we speak as the oracles of God. Anoint our hearts and minds to receive this revelation. And we ask for your testimony, Lord Jesus. Amen. Well... Welcome back to Rescue Radio. <laughs> yes, here we are again. Hey, rescuing, we're in, rescuing. That's right. Well, Jesus, <laughs> the word of God. Jesus came for a great on a great rescue mission, and that this rescue mission, rescuing those that are lost, continues to this day. Yeah. And we're we're going to go back here a little bit, and um, well, about two thousand years. Yeah, exactly. Right well, now. we're going to go into the book of <laughs> Mark, Mark as again. we have been going yeah, through the book of Mark. We've been going through the book of Believe Mark, and we're, we're up at uh, Mark chapter 9, mm-hmm. and it's it's the part where Jesus is transfigured. We're saying, what is transfigured? What does this mean? All that. But uh, he said, um, verse nine, chapter 9, verse 1 of Mark, And he said to them, he's speaking to his disciples, Assuredly, I say to you, there are some standing here who will not taste death till they see the kingdom of God present with power. Present with power. Yeah. So so he's he's speaking to his disciples. He's saying, listen, the point being here is that there is an ongoing revelation. The theologians call it progressive revelation that God knows everything, mm-hmm. all right, all at once, the past, the present, the future, but he reveals things piecemeal to us because we can't handle it all, right? Mm-hmm. You, you go from all the way from Genesis to Revelation, it's an ongoing progressive revelation of the greatness of God and the unfolding of his wonderful plan for mankind, mm-hmm. which is an eternal plan, yeah, exactly. Well, it's interesting that if you notice, if you compare the the Gospels of Matthew with the Gospel uh, the Gospel of Mark, um, this verse that you just read, surely I say to you that there will be some standing here. Uh, that is actually in uh, in Matthew. That's connected with what we talked about last week, or the the price of discipleship. Mm-hmm. He was adding it there, um, saying, and, and he said it in terms of the Son of Man will come in the glory of the Father with his angels. And then he will reward each one according to his works. Assuredly, I say to you, there are some standing here who will sure, shall not taste death till they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. So he's connecting it in two places, the way they divided it. It's interesting. I wonder if they noticed that they did it different, the great scholars who divided up the Bible. But the thing is here, he's saying that the cost of discipleship, there is a price to pay, um, but there is also going to be the Son of Man coming at some point in his glory at, with his reward, his reward for this uh, sacrifice and, and following Jesus is going to be with him. So he, ha- he has it in both places. It's going to be a revelation to us 
of the glory of God. And I believe we all think, well, yeah, that is going to be someday when we see him face to face. And yes, that is correct. But he's also kind of, you know, just giving a little heads up, a little like, a little like, okay, tomorrow, guys, I'm going to show you something. And it's like, so he moves them up into the mountain where uh, he tells them we're going to see some, some are going to see something that they've never seen before. Well, that's it. He says, some of you, you're not going to die until you see the kingdom of God coming with power. Now, Jesus's message was the kingdom of God. Mm -hmm. Okay. The kingdom of God. It was, it's not a a new message. It's a message that was all the way from the beginning. He was actually demonstrating that message with power every day when he healed people, cast out demons. And so they were getting little tastes of it, but he was referring here to something bigger than that. The fullness of it, Mm -hmm. the fullness of the, the, the kingdom of God coming with power. Now, how did the kingdom of God come with power? It was when Jesus went and died on the cross, Mm -hmm. rose again, uh, ascended to heaven, sent the Holy Spirit. They hadn't seen that yet, Mm -hmm. but he's, he's referring to this. The kingdom of God coming with power had to yeah. uh, go through these uh, stages. These steps oh. had to be taken Death. for them to see the kingdom mm-hmm. of God. Jesus said, unless a man is born again, he cannot see the kingdom yeah. of God. And so he also said, except a corn of wheat fall into the ground and, it ab- and die, it abides alone. But when it goes and dies, it brings forth much fruit. So he's, he's kind of mixing up a couple of, not mixing, but twi- uh, uh, weaving together some uh, ideas, of, but we're anticipating here some greater, like you said, revelation of power. Yeah, the kingdom of God. Well, part of that is seen in on the day of Pentecost when the right. Holy Spirit was poured out. Right. And then the, the disciples were empowered with the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. And we see the power of the Spirit, the Spirit of God, the preaching, the miracles, the signs, the wonders, all that came. This is the expression of the kingdom of God coming with power. Well, right. and, and these guys... A lot of them that he was talking to right here in Mark chapter nine were part of that. They right. saw that they they were they were a, a, a very active participants. Well, in this. the the power that he was talking about, the kingdom, the coming of the Holy Spirit, the ascension, the resurrection. Um, these are the things, and especially the the in the book of Acts, where the Holy Spirit fell upon them, filled them. That power empowered them. It, it it charged their batteries. It got them going to do what they did and to complete the race. Um, it, it, and, and, you know, they were filled with the Holy Spirit. But back to here, now they're just looking at it from the outside. They're not being filled. They're just uh, observing. As we see, he's taken a select number of his uh, group, uh, Peter, James, and John. You could say those were his three favorites, although I'm sure he did not have favorites. But there comes a time when you kind of have to, this is kind of the way it goes. There's the guy at the top, and then he has two or three disciples, and exactly. then they make two or three more disciples. It's kind of like that uh, hierarchy or pyramid of, of flowing of the power and the information down. But so he took, now after six days, I think, it six days from what? I'm not sure. Six days from where? We're not sure what he was well, after, referring to. After he said this, probably. After he said about that could very well be yeah. the kingdom after, of God yeah. coming with power. Peter, James, yeah, and John. Yeah, that makes sense. The inner circle, and as you mentioned, Marjorie, the uh, leadership, though a wise leader always has an inner circle. Right. Because he has his people. Well, he that's has just his, the way it has to be. You can't give all is. the information to all exactly. 4,500 of your followers or whatever. Exactly, to, um, to carry out the work. And he led them up on a high mountain apart by themselves, and he was transfigured before them. Now, it's interesting. Yeah, what is that mountain? Do you know? We don't know. Some people say, some scholars think it's Mount Hermon, which would be very interesting. Yeah. Uh, where the, uh, what, the, the angels came down? Yeah. The, the yeah, evil the book, angels yeah. came down. The fallen angels came fallen down and angels. made that covenant with each other to yeah, go in into it, the women. It, it could have been there. Some people say it's Mount Tabor. We don't know exactly. But, uh, and then wh- what did they see? He was transfigured. The word transfigured there means transformed or changed. Now, it's mm-hmm. like some people say, well, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Yes, he is the same in character and essence. But he, he came in his humanity, right? Mm-hmm. He took on himself the form of man. We read in Philippians uh, about the form of man became a man yet without sin, mm-hmm. became fully human yet being fully God, but he here is an it's an um, interdimensional 
express. We we live in d- different dimensions. We live in this right. three dimensional world, but then there's a there's a spiritual dimension right. that's <laughs> actually right next to us. Well, it's we're actually immersed all, in it. It's we're all immersed it, yeah. in it, mm-hmm. but we don't we don't see it because our five senses don't le- let us to. But going back for just a second to where could this mountain have been? It is interesting to note that if you compare Ma- Mark with Matthew. Um, that Jesus, where the discussion, when Jesus asked Peter, who do men say that I am? And he said, you're the son of God. That happened on Caesarea Philippi. And that was right, literally one chapter before chapter, the Transfiguration, Mm -hmm. 17. So it could very well be that they didn't rush from mountain to mountain, that they were on Mount Hermon. And that would be my guess as far as reasonable Mm -hmm. because of distance and things. Yeah, and the the significance of Mount Hermon. Right, that he's actually eye for eye, tooth for tooth, blow Mm -hmm. for blow. Okay, Satan, you use Mount Hermon to to declare a problem here that you're going to go in into. And I'm going to declare on Mount Hermon that the glory of God is here. The glory of God is here. The the glory of God. God and this is, is the place I'm choosing to manifest it. Exactly, so exactly. Mud in your eye, or however you do that. Yeah, yeah. Poke your enemy yeah, in the eye, whatever. Yeah, that's it. And so his what it says here, uh, his clothes, verse three, became shining, exceedingly white like snow, and uh, as such as no launderer on earth can whiten them. You know, in in speaking of that again, uh, shimmer, shimmering, shining, uh, that um, appearance. I believe is the same appearance that Nahesh. Nahesh is the name of the uh, that the the Greek name for the shimmering serpent in the Garden of mm-hmm. Eden. Nahesh. He. That's what that word means. Mm-hmm. N- shimmering, shiny, brilliant, whatever. And I believe it was that kind of a demonic um, manifestation that enticed Eve to be attracted to this creature more than the others. Uh, not just the fact that he was talking and walking. Actually, I believe the serpent was walking at that point in time uh, and then began, had to crawl on his belly as part of the curse. But um, yeah, so this, this, the, so Satan also is in uh, that dimension, that spiritual, supernatural dimension. And as we can see, the, the real transformation transfiguration that Christ that uh, brought to his uh, disciples, uh, displayed to them, demonstrated to them, that Satan also has some access to the counterfeit of that, which is not totally unreasonable and, and because Satan comes as an angel of light. Well, Jesus in his ministry was counter countering yep. everything Satan oh, was yep. doing, had done and was doing. Exactly, right? exactly. He, he mm-hmm. really was. He was confronting it. When and he, you see how... In he, his teaching, and his healing, and yeah. his casting out demons. Yeah. And here at the Transfiguration, the glory. Satan, you know, did have a glory as a the beauty, worship leader of heaven, yeah. a beauty mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. said, you know, there was so beauty, and he became intoxicated with his beauty yeah. and, 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 and rebelled and, and fell and, and everything like that. But here is the glory of God expressed. Well, you know, Satan in his beauty and in the... Uh, uh, realization of his beauty failed to give the glory to God. Instead, he took on that glory as his own, and that he was in his heart then lifted up against God to be as God. But back to this idea of the moving back and forth between God dimensions. and Satan in oh. in the dimensions as well. But moving back and forth between God makes a move, then Satan makes a move, then God makes a move, then Satan makes a move. If you if you use this kind of um, I don't know. Uh, Cosmic chess match. Yeah. If you use this kind of understanding to even apply it to your particular personal battles and victories, you will see that usually um, if there's a very intense, bad situation, something that could be the undoing of you or your family or whatever, if you just believe God waits, you'll see God beginning to move in the opposite direction. Like it's like, okay, now we saw what Satan did on Mount Hermon. Now let's see what God is going to do uh, in response to that. And so God picks the same place, the same, the same location to do the opposite thing. So God and Satan are always working in the same place at the same time to do the opposite thing here. They're not in the same place at the same time, but they're doing the opposite thing using the same elements. And so um, he became this, uh, he, to show, I believe, what do you, do you suppose this transfiguration was placed right here, right 
just right previous to the to the death, his death and, and going to the cross. I mean, it's like, uh, I suppose we could trace it out, but it's it's very close to, because he just, after that, he says, I'm going to die. He says it actually well, he's in there. predicting, you know, yeah. he's, he's predicting his death. At first, you know, there's this, there's this, uh, who is this Jesus? Mm-hmm. And they keep asking that question all the way through his ministry. And then he that, asks his the, disciples, and they say it right. Right. And then, you know, they have the popularity where there are multitudes following him. And then the scribes and Pharisees and, and the, the priests are all after him. Yeah. And, and then the tide turns. Well, where you get to the point where they cry, crucify him, crucify right, him. Right, but, but as we're moving through his three-and-a-half-year ministry, we see as he gets closer and closer to the cross, he starts talking about it more and more. He, he, ta- he starts talking about it. And it's hard for, you know, Peter, he, he couldn't handle that at first. He said, well, you know, his, he, he his said, idea. No, you can't do that. You know, you're supposed to be Funny. our king. You're our hero. You're our leader. Yeah. You can't die. You can't die like this. You know, on it's, it's true. Peter had some idea of how this was going to look. And let's just think of Peter as being the first uh, the first uh, pastor of the first big mega church, which was going to be born in, I suppose, in, in Jerusalem at the day of Pentecost. That's a mega church right there. But he he had some idea of how Jesus was going to do this, how it was going to look, how they were probably going to overthrow the Romans, how they were going to take control. And, you know, for a lot of us, we have an idea. We have our mind. We have a reasonable good idea of how this should look, logically how this is going to go down, point by point, goal by goal, uh, five-year schedule, of, of, you know, five-year plan. And, and, and so I think Peter is starting to think about this in terms of how he'd like to see this happen. And Jesus is is showing him something that does not fit. In other words, he's, he's saying... Didn't fit his paradigm. No, <laughs> you're going to have to... This isn't going to be like you think, Peter. And a lot of that in our lives, too. This is why it's faith is necessary because a lot of things happen to us that um, we think, oh, we think this is how it should be. Yeah. This is how it's going to go. Yeah. You know, like and a we lot, pray in that direction. And a lot of times, you know, maybe God calls you into a particular ministry or, you know, an opportunity opens up for you. And all of a sudden, hell is just fighting you. All hell is breaking loose. Uh-huh. There's there's resistance. Yeah, there's, there's resistance to what God is putting in your heart to do and what you what He's called well, then, you to do and what He's enabling become, you to do. Well, and if we're trying, if we're too um, fixed on what we think God should do and how it should look, and and this is the way it has to look, and this and this becomes our our pursuit. It also actually becomes our idol because it's my my the work of my hands, my plan, my empire. Uh, and we think it's God because it's it it may go good, it may look good, it may grow, it may be big, and yet it may not be God at all. And and here and another thing too is that looking back here, the idea of that the Jewish people had of the Messiah, he was going to be this this great right. king. Right. He was going to overthrow the Romans. That was the We're going to have peace and prosperity in our day. We're going to make. Israel, King is coming, we're going right? to make Israel great again, yeah, yeah, that sort of thing. But it was like, yes, it was that, you know, he was going to make, you know, come to his people, save his people from their sins. But there, it was a spiritual dimension. It was a freedom that not, it wasn't just all going to be political peace and prosperity. It was going to be a spiritual well, deliverance, a right. spiritual a new spiritual life in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation. Well, the thing is because they had, there was actually two different separate prophecies, many prophecies, but on two different tracks. One prophesying his first coming and the other one prophesying his second coming. For example, Psalm 22 talks all about his death and resur- crucifixion. Um, and that, you know, how do you reconcile that um, and and the timeline of reconciling that on with he's going to be this uh, king of kings. He's going to render his enemies destroyed. Now, remember, have to remember too that the the New Testament was not available to those uh, Pharisees at the time. They didn't have the Book of Revelations that talks about Jesus coming the second time as the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. But they assumed that that was going to be because there was much in Isaiah, Jeremiah, the Psalms about this glorious reign of God, the coming. And so when Jesus came as a baby in Bethlehem, they totally missed it. They totally did not connect the dots and say, whoa, I get it, that this baby is going to grow up and be the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. He's going to have to be sacrificed as we were sacrificing those lambs for hundreds of years. Oh, I get it. No, they didn't get it. They missed it completely. And in this transfiguration, again, it's just a little tiny 
foretaste of what we all believe, of what we all know. And we know this. We know God is 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 this transfiguration, the power, the the glory, the the uh, defying reality, defying gravity to bring forth a spiritual revelation in the supernatural world and the, the many other dimensions that exist. We know there's a heaven. We know that there's, this is very believable. It's not like, oh, where did this come from? So, well, yeah, and look at, you could verse four here, and Eli, here's guys that show up. Elijah mm-hmm. appeared to them with Moses, and they were talking with Jesus. Now, very interesting. Why Moses and why Elijah? You got any idea? Well, you know, many say that, you know, Elijah is representative of the prophets. Mm -hmm. Moses is representative of the law. Mm -hmm. And basically, Jesus is the fulfillment of the law and the prophets. Right. So they're testifying here and witnessing. They're witnessing, yeah. And it's interesting that God spoke to Mount, God God spoke to Moses on Mount Sinai, Mm -hmm. on a mountain. Mm-hmm. God spoke to Elijah on a mountain. Mm-hmm. Uh, we know that... Um, Mount Carmel, actually. Yeah, yeah. Where, remember on Mount Carmel where they had that big showdown with Jezebel? She wasn't actually maybe on the, on the scene at the time, but her 450 of her prophets, in the, and, and uh, I think there's like 800 total because there was the prophets of uh, Baal, Baal and, and, and the... Was it Asherah? Yeah. And so, and, and so he was, they were trying to see whose God was God. So they had this little contest going. I don't know if Elijah picked this fight, but um, he was provoked. And so he said, okay, let's do this. You go ahead and you set up your sacrifice and you get your, your gods to answer you, to light the fire, you know, no matches allowed. And so um, they cried out all day and cut themselves and carried on and they, they freaked out and, and they did their, I'm sure they did their, they cut themselves. They were letting blood, they were cu- giving blood to their their demon uh, gods to get them to do something. And nothing, they were not these enemies, the demons, the spirits, the whoever, they were not allowed to perform. And then uh, Elijah they said, they, they couldn't. couldn't, God did it. not permit it. And right. so then they, it wasn't working because God was proving a point here. And then he provoked Elijah to say, okay, now let's, there, this is a drought, people. There's no water around. So he gets to have seven or 12 barrel, barrels of water to dump on the sacrifice, to dig trenches around it so that the whole thing is soaked in water. And so what are the chances? Nobody here is going to be able to say, well, it just caught on fire accidentally because it was so dry. It was not dry. It was totally wet. And then he prayed and God struck the altar with like, almost like, I would say with like a lightning bolt and woof consumed the all, everything it consumed the, the water sun. even yeah and so um and then everybody was so shocked and stunned and finally the masses rose up it's like they're kind of doing now come to their senses and and elijah said kill the prophets of baal the the false prophets and so they turned around and that day under elijah's command they slew all of these haters of god of course they didn't get jezebel because i don't think she was there and then she vowed the next day that if Elijah would be dead within 24 hours, that she'd, you know, I don't know what she said. She's going to just vow that she's going to kill him. She was going to yeah. get him. She was yeah. going to get him. Well, she didn't get him, but uh, but he, his word, God's word through Elijah, got her in the end. Well, it's um, interesting that Moses died on Mount Nebo. Yeah. And uh, and then it says, you know, it's in, it's an interesting expression. Uh, in Deuteronomy chapter 34, it talks about <laughs> how you, we don't think of death in this way. Let me just um, get it here for you. Um, and Moses went up, uh, Deuteronomy 34, verse 1, and then Moses went up from the plains of Moab to Mount Nebo to the top of Pisgah, which is across from Jericho. Interesting, interesting places. Mm-hmm. We can't get into that right now, but... And the Lord showed him all the land of Gilead as far as Dan and all Naphtali and the land of Ephraim and Manasseh and all the land of Judah as far as the Western Sea. And he, he talks about the other places, the Valley of Jericho, City of Palm Trees, as far as Zor. He said, now this, he said, he saw the promised land. And then the Lord, verse 4, said to him, this is the land which I swore to give Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, saying, I will give it to you, I give it to your descendants. I have caused you to see it with your eyes, but you shall not over there. So Moses, the servant of the Lord, died there in the land of Moab, according to the word of the Lord. And interesting. 
-hmm. died according to the word of the Lord. Mm -hmm. And he, God, buried him in the valley in the land of Moab, opposite Beth Peor. But no one knows his grave to this day. Yeah, that's very cool. It says he was 120 years old, (laughs) and his eyes were not dim, nor his natural vigor diminished. And, of course, they had great uh, mourning for him. And then Joshua, the son of Nun, took his place as as leading the the, uh, people of Israel. So he died according to the word of the Lord, and you know God what? buried him. No one knows his grave, which you know, is a good I bet thing, because they would Joshua. set up a monument and they I, would worship him. I bet him. you Joshua, though, sent some of his scouts up there to see if they could find Moses' body. Uh, I, prob- I bet, uh, that thinking. would make sense, wouldn't I'm you? I'm thinking. Yeah. They looked for, well, Elijah, okay? He got carried away in a, in a, in a whirlwind. There was a chariot. A, of, a, chariots of fire. There chariots of fire. That's where we get it. And horses of fire, chariots of fire, and they... He went up to heaven mm-hmm. in a whirlwind. Mm-hmm. Okay, and so the prophets, I think they went and looked for Elijah. Yeah, they said, they said, well, where is he? He, he can't be around. The, you know, maybe, maybe God, yeah, they just, did. God mm-hmm. picked him up and threw him over some here, where here, and dropped him off in another place. But no, he went. He went <laughs> to be with the Lord. Moses went to be with the Lord. His body was buried. Yeah. But it, it shows only, the real yeah. dimension that God is the God of the living. Well, it's not only of the dead. Elijah and Enoch, are the two witnesses that never died, mm-hmm. according to the word of God. Enoch uh, walked with God and he walked, he was not, he, he just was not, not here. And he expected that too, according to his own uh, story, that he expected to be taken away. So we, we see here, however, like you said, we see. Uh, Elijah, who represents the prophets, and Moses, who represents the law. Yeah, and, it, and Moses finally did get into the promised land. He, he? he got in there. <laughs> he got in there a little later, but he got in there. Well, yes. And uh, he, he got to see the fulfillment. He had prophesied about there's going to be a prophet like unto me. Him, here's the one you're going to hear. So Just, he had prophesied. Moses prophesied about the Messiah, and here he is talking with the Messiah, mm-hmm. both of them, they're up yeah. on a mountain talking with the Messiah. Um, yeah, it's interesting too, as you think about this, that here we have Jesus in all of his glory, a taste of all of his glory, mm-hmm. his uh, his um, talking with, I, I think they were probably talking about his upcoming crucifixion. Right, that was it, that was it. You mentioned something, I'm just jumping in here that his glory was veiled in flesh. Mm-hmm. There's, I think, Just uh, like Moses, when heart, he came down from the mountain, his face shone with yeah, the glory of God, and they had to put a veil over it. And it's right, just kind of the same, right, the glory of God. In, you know, it's like from the uh, Christmas carol, Hark the Herald Angels Sing, there's a line that says, veiled in, uh, how's it, veiled in flesh, the Godhead see. Um, so it's, yeah, and there's a lot of yeah. veils talking about veils mm-hmm. over the eyes Hail of the nation. Hail the incarnate deity, okay. Well, stop right there because that made me think of something that you just made me think of again. So they he, we're singing Christmas carols, talking about the divine revelation yes. moving from this infant child, baby, a newly born baby, uh, it, swaddle in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger, uh, in outside of Bethlehem in some sort of stable. Um, some little insignificant one among many babies swaddling is the king of glory. And we see it here within 33 years. We see this this baby grow up, um, be attacked. Uh, Satan, Herod tried to kill him through, uh, Satan tried to kill him through Herod. We, we see him um, fleeing off to Egypt. We see him being brought back. We see him growing up in the carpenter shop, mundane, boring life, 30 years of, of, of growing up, supporting his mother, father, submitting to them, running the carpenter shop after a while. Um, and, and, and then all of a sudden, in the last three and a half years, he just bursts forth on the scene uh, to this point where he's transfigured. And now, so this is like from that baby in Bethlehem to this moment of glory and bailed in flesh. It's amazing. You know, it's just amazing. The Godhead is the son of God. And Mm. so, um, God is amazing and, uh, he is not done yet. When you think, I mean, they're just going, rolling on towards the cross, the, the, the threat, the doom, the dread. And even in these days, if you compare it to today, 
we have the doom, the, 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 the threats, these signs in the stars, the moons, the blood moons, the moving towards the, the battle of Armageddon, the, 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 the destructions in Revelation. And yet moving beyond that, we see this little foretaste of the glory of God and the coming of the King. And I believe that there, this is just a little encouragement, guys. Don't don't go by appearances here. When you see him dying on the cross, hanging there in shame, utter shame, uh, utter looking like a complete failure, a complete fool, don't believe your eyes. Don't believe what you see because there's more to come. It's interesting that well, their topic of discussion, it doesn't talk about it here, I don't think. Um, I think in one of the other parallel passages, maybe you can find that. Mm-hmm. It talks about they were de- what you know what the the topic of conversation was his death yeah the, his death and if you could find yeah, it in one of, in, is it Matthew there I think you're looking there it talks about oh, the topic see. of discussion was the death that he should accomplish at Jerusalem right now we don't think of a death as an accomplishment. It's like it's like the, we think of it humanly. We think of death as the end of accomplishment yeah, here it's because it's over. Go ahead and, and read that. And then right. behold, two where men, are you reading now, Matthew? Uh, no, no, I'm Luke, Luke nine thirty. Okay. thirty. Then behold, two men talked with him, who were Moses and Elijah, who ascend, uh, appeared in glory and spoke of his de- decrease. Or appeared you say, in glory of his which he was dece- about to his accomplish de- decease his death. Right, deceased. Not I'm decrease. sorry. Well, yeah, I'm sorry. That yeah. is true. Deceased. His death. Which uh, he was about to accomplish at Jerusalem. No, we don't. <laughs> the death of Jesus was all, not. And that word also can mean death or departure. Um, so he was going to depart soon through this death from the the world of the tangible. But it, from, what, from the from this human natural world, he's going to change dimensions. Transfer dimensions. dimensions. But but his death, you think of the death of Jesus on the cross. It it was a great Mm -hmm. accomplishment. He said there, it is finished. Mm -hmm. It is completed. The plan of redemption, it's it's done. It's it's fulfilled. What the law and the prophets uh, foretold is being fulfilled. It's interesting. I, I would just, when you look at all through Scripture, there is prophecy. There is there is there are principles, and there are prophecies. Mm-hmm. The principles of the Word of God are true, are true of all of life, mm-hmm. and the prophecies are all with that that operate within the principles are all being fulfilled, have been, are being, but, or will be fulfilled. For example, however, you've got principles which you could say would be laws like for example natural laws and then you have prophetic words that break or defy or or uh go beyond well, uh, natural laws for example in the in in this very thing the transfiguration how can that happen how can that be was that an optical illusion was that a, a special effects no that was really what was happening but the spiritual dimension was um uh is is uh more powerful more um, uh, I don't know what would be the word more authoritative than the natural world, and the natural world submits to it. So when right, Jesus walked exactly. through walls, when he rose from the dead in his glorified body, he had sort of departed from the natural world. His he was no longer held to the fact that he had to sit in the boat. Well, he did break the rules a little bit, walking in water and stuff like that. But for the most part, he pl- he he played within the natural rules of the human dimensions that. We can't walk on water unless it's frozen, and we can't go through walls. We use doors, and we, you know, when we do things like that, that because we're 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 abiding by the natural laws. But he his death would allow him to transfer back into the dimension of eternity and heaven, and the spiritual realities of that world. Well, the physical world, the three dimensional world, the universes that we have, the vast universes of this creation of God are contained within the spiritual world. Yeah. Right? So right. so the greater... It's, like one, the greater it's, a, it's a subset within the greater set. Right. The greater reality, the greater truth is the spiritual realm. Mm-hmm. 
the right. spiritual dimension. The, right. And and so within that mm-hmm. dimension, well, within it, those that dimension of the spiritual realm, you have different dimensions. You have the evil dimensions. You right. have the righteous dimensions of right. God mm-hmm. that well, are inter interplaying, interacting. But of course, we know that the kingdom of God, the uh, the kingdom of is God over, is, is over all of it, and mm-hmm. ultimately mm-hmm. will prevail. Well, you know, even when Paul said, "This light affliction, which is but for a moment, works in us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory," you know, he was he was comparing the natural afflictions of some of the things that you and I go through. We all, you out there, are not uh, light. They don't seem light. They they seem tragic. They seem terrible. Crushing. Crushing. Brutal. Yeah. And yet he's saying all of that sums up to being a light affliction, which is but for a moment. And so in the comparison, in the in keeping your perspective is important. We don't we are not just here to be here. We're here to go there. And so we're walking there, abiding, being carried through the abiding of Jesus Christ. But going back for a minute, back to Luke, we have some stuff in Luke that, that Mark just skips over. <laughs> the, the part about the disciples, uh, Peter, James, and John falling asleep. But anyway, let's go to that. He says, as he prayed, uh, this is in Luke again, 29, as Jesus was praying, the appearance of his face was altered. His robe became white and glistening. And then we have, behold, the two men talked with him, who were Moses and Elijah, who appeared in glory and spoke of him, uh, of his decrease, uh, de- de- decease, decease, which he had uh, was about to accomplish in Jerusalem. It could be decreased too, because it looked like he was going to be decreased, but he wasn't. But Peter and those with him were heavy with sleep, with sleep, and they were fully, and when they were fully awake, so they kind of passed out, missed out, uh, dis- disassociated, went to sleep. Actually, they were heavy with sleep. They were taken again. They were heavy with sleep in the garden too. They fell mm-hmm. asleep. They could not handle it. They, they, and, and I think the spirit of God permitted them um, to just check out. This is kind of the way they handled it. It was too much for their little sensory uh, systems to uh, compute. So they went heavy with sleep. And when they were fully awake, when they woke up, they saw his glory and the two men who stood with them. Well, so they don't have any idea how it, long these it, guys were standing there. It could there. be, it, yeah, it could be. This was going, they're sleeping, they're napping. And then Jesus is talking with Moses and Elijah. And, and then all of a sudden wake, they wake up and wow. Or maybe Jesus was praying and it got to be too long for them and they fell asleep like they did in the garden because yeah. he was praying. And then they um, uh, they missed that first part. And it happened um, that as they were parting from him, that that would be Elijah and Moses, yeah. that Peter said to Jesus, Master, it is good for us to be here, even though we miss most of it. And let us take, th- let us make three tabernacles, one for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah, not knowing what he said. I think Peter always had ideas. He had, he tried to make his <laughs> ideas work. And, but I believe what happened here was, you know, if we, pl- if we plant tents here, if we build an establishment, build a house here, build something here, maybe we'll get to come back here. Maybe we'll get to live here. Uh, and we won't have to leave here. So let's 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 go from here. Let's keep this going. Let's not go to the cross part. Let's go to this glorious part. And so we're going to build three tabernacles. And then we can have everybody come here, and we can worship just like they would build the tabernacle. Remember that the tabernacle, Peter, maybe, the tabernacle yeah. in the wilderness. If we build a couple of tabernacles here, then we'll have all Jerusalem coming up here to worship you uh, well, and talk yeah. with Moses again, Elijah. It'll be just awesome. We'll get it going that way. Like you, the, like you think um, Moses and Elijah are going to just stick around. Right. There. He's wanting him to fill at home, so we're going to build him a house. Um, but he didn't know what he was saying. He, he didn't think that thing through. He just this was, oh, I wish we could stay here. Can we, you know, it's like kids who go to Disneyland or Disney World, I suppose. Oh, we don't want to ever leave. We want to stay. Mom, can we live here? You know, and, like, and so no. I think that's kind of what, <laughs> that's kind of what you're saying. Oh, can we just live here? Um, well, sometimes, you know, we, we have these, people have these high, high level or high emotional even sometimes spiritual experiences, experiences and right. they just want oh this is so right good, and so this precious. happens too with you're exactly right when we have these revivals and the it's spirit the, out, the outpouring of god now i believe that there is an outpouring of god i think many of those things were outpourings just like in the book of acts but i think satan also takes advantage of those opportunities and the hunger of those 
the fish are biting over there in wherever the revival is. So Satan gets out his hook, his net as well, <clears throat> and he goes there, goes fishing as well. When these people are, their mouths are open, they're hungry to praise God, to seek God, to find God, to feel God, to feel God's presence, because we're built to be in the presence of God, mm-hmm. not with our natural bodies, of course, they disintegrate, but that is built within us to desire this this uh, ultimate justice and mercy and righteousness and holiness and beauty and perfection and and, and so we're hungry for these little tastes of the presence of God. And when God would show up from time to time in the Old Testament, they had to be very careful that, you know, they didn't get killed by his glory, um, and not touch the mountain, et cetera, et cetera. Not, and, and, and yet, this is what, what Peter is tasting, a little bit of that glory, the presence of God, the, the reveal of what's going to happen and what will is to come which most people have no clue because it's hidden from them. Uh, they have no, ra- it's not on their human radar. They don't suspect. That's why when Jesus comes back the second time, it's going to be shocking, sudden, and almost unnoticed to some because they're not even looking for it. And, and there are days, and it says, uh, it'll be, you know, two will be grinding at the mill, one will be taken, the other left. Uh, it's going to be sudden, but it's going to be, um, unprepared. They're not going to be prepared for it at all, ex- unless those who have read the Word of God, like you guys, and you're looking for His appearing, looking up for the day of His um, redemption draws nigh. And so they're anticipating a redemption that has not yet happened, and they're still going through the muck of having to go to the cross. But they did say, um, while they were, while Peter was still having making his plan, um, it says in verse 34 of Luke 9. Uh, a cloud came and overshadowed them, and they were fearful as they entered the cloud. The cloud came down and kind of absorbed them, uh, in, and they were in the cloud. And they, and then they heard the voice. Not the uh, internet or computer cloud. No, it's a different, no, different no, cloud. No, no. Okay. God is the creator of the clouds. All right. Then a voice came out of the cloud, saying, "This is my beloved son. Hear him." This was an endorsement of Jesus Christ. The two two witnesses, the two witnesses, Elijah and Moses, came to testify to the accuracy, the reality of this happening. You have to have two witnesses. They were the two witnesses that would testify in heaven and on earth that this was Jesus Christ. There was going to be a death. There was going to be a glorious. And they were there um, uh, to confirm uh, the, the, what, the, the testimony of the father when he said, this is my beloved son, hear him. This is not the first time the father said this over him. He said this when Jesus was baptized by John the Baptist. Um, so the father is speaking from heaven every once in a while to verify, you know, when he sent the angels uh, to uh, um, welcome Jesus to the earth as an infant in Bethlehem. Um, when he was baptized, the father spoke. When in here, we see the father speaking again. Um, but when the voice had ceased, and it didn't say much, this is my beloved son, hear him, listen to him, whatever, follow him. Um, and when the voice had ceased, Jesus was found alone. But they kept quiet and told no one of those days, uh, any of the things that they had in seen. Those days, in those days. In those days. The, there was a time where they talked about later. Peter reports mm-hmm. uh, in, in his first, I think it's the first Peter, talks about ex- this experience mm-hmm. of, the, of the transfiguration. So he commanded them, if you go, just going back from Luke 9 to Mark 9, mm-hmm. they came down from the mountain and he commanded that they should tell no one these things they had seen till the Son of Man had risen from the dead. So they kept his word to themselves, mm-hmm. questioning what the rising of the, from the dead meant. meant right. And so, so basically, here, here's the deal. Many times Jesus, you know, healed people, and he said, "Don't tell anybody. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Don't tell any. Don't tell anybody." Right? Why was this? Because he wanted people to be reporting. Not that this was not a significant experience for these people that were healed or delivered, but he wanted them to have the whole picture. Mm-hmm. He he wanted people to know that he's not just a, a miracle worker. He's not just a healer. He's not just someone who casts out demons. He is all that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He's not some kind of a magician, mm-hmm. but he is a savior. He is the Lord. His so whole story. He, yeah. he says, wait till you see the whole picture. The rest picture. of it, yeah. It's like sometimes you think... Um, well, it's not completely unveiled. It's not yet revealed. It's like if somebody sees a painting that's half done and you take well, a picture of it and you send it around, but it's right. not finished yet. And oh, it, right. It's like a, someone that's in training to be a teacher. 
Okay, they've just gotten out of high school, and they're take they're are partway through their first class mm-hmm. on say elementary education mm-hmm. teaching or something like that, and says, "Okay, I'm ready to go now." No, they're not. They're just getting started. The time will come when they'll you know their education will be more complete. And, and they can go ahead and, and do the job. Yeah. Same, same thing here. Well, as we see, too, in Matthew, as they're coming down the mountain, and this is in Matthew chapter 17, we're talking about the same um, uh, situation. Same account, yes. <clears throat> uh, uh, he says, um, well, let's go back a bit. He says, um, the, the voice said, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Hear him. And when the disciples heard it, they fell on their faces and were greatly afraid. As you see, Matthew, Mark, and Luke all add a little bit more. If you put all the words together, you have a more complete picture of what happened. They fell on their faces. They were afraid. This is after they woke up. Mm-hmm. Then Jesus came and touched them and said, rise and be not afraid. So obviously they were terrified. This was out of control. This was out of their league. They didn't expect any of this. Um, and when they had lifted up their eyes, they saw no one but Jesus only. Everything had cleared out. Mm-hmm. The sun was shining again. The birds were, were hang, hanging out. The grass was green again. There was nothing out of place, like nothing had ever happened. Now, as they came down from the mountain, Jesus commanded them, saying, Now, I suppose they could have thought, Well, was this a dream? Did this really happen? Was this a vision? Um, how much reality did, was, what did we really see here? So they were uh, talking to Jesus, and he says, Tell the vision to no one until the son of man is risen from the dead. So he's confirming this was a vision. This was, um, you know, really did happen. Um, it wasn't just you guys dreaming and me praying. It was, there was something else going on here. Mm-hmm. Um, until the son of man is risen from the dead. Again, we see him saying, don't tell anybody until I'm risen from the dead. And then his disciples, um, had to bring up something. They had a, well, that, well what about that Elijah thing? Well, what about, you know, I thought, well, who's Elijah? You know, we thought he was, um, uh, why did they scribes say that Elijah must come first? That's you know the scribes had taught that before the notable and dreadful day of the Lord that Elijah would come back and turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the children to the fathers. Yeah, it's, what's the deal with that? Like in verse eleven there, Mark nine, they just mm-hmm. said, well, that Elijah must come. Well, we just we've just seen Elijah, and I well, is this Moses, his coming? Is and it? Moses and Elijah, just a little note there. That I'm sure they didn't. Jesus didn't say, "Okay, uh, Peter, James, John, I'd like to have you meet uh, Elijah." Elijah. They just knew who they were. They just knew. How did they, they know? They just. I th- did they, they just have their knew. name tags on? They, How do you know <laughs> that this one is Elijah, tags. and this is Moses, and this isn't Elisha, and this isn't you yeah, know yeah. Joshua well, or something? They, they just know in the spirit. They recognized it without there being an introduction. Yeah, it's very ex- interesting ex- exactly. too. Exactly, but. He said, "What well, they say? Why do they say um, the scribes say that Elijah must come first? Then he answered and told them, Indeed, Elijah is coming first and restores all things. Mm-hmm. And how is it written concerning the Son of Man that he must suffer many things and be treated with contempt? But I say to you, verse 13, that Elijah has also come, and they did to him whatever they wished, as it is written of him. Okay. And then hold on, because going back to Matthew in the same section, yep. he says, um, then, then Jesus answered and said to them, Elijah to truly is coming first and will restore all things. But mm-hmm. I say to you that Elijah has come already yes. and they did not know him, but did to him whatever they wished. Likewise, the son of man is also about to suffer at their hands. Then Verse 13, the disciples understood that he spoke to them of John the Baptist. Baptist. So they're equating Elijah's second coming with John the Baptist, um, who, uh, for whatever reason, that's what they understood it to be, and um, that he would come first before Jesus, which John the Baptist did. So whether there is a specific John the Baptist, there's a distinct Elijah, they're not the same person, but it may be the Spirit well, coming in the spirit of, of Elijah, coming in the spirit of John the Baptist, coming in with that same uh, prophetic, you know, they were both prophets. J- John the Baptist was the last the of the last Old Testament. prophet. Yeah, and, and, and Elijah was, was probably the first one, not the only one, but he seems to be one of the first. So from Elijah to John the Baptist. So John the Baptist completes Elijah's ministry. He completed Elijah's spirit of bringing uh, admonition, bringing... Um, uh, the the revelation of God to the people at the time, and John the Baptist came 
with that that word that was under the law. Herod, you're not supposed to have your your brother's wife. Brother's wife. Yeah. So he was applying the the law to a situation that actually ended up getting him in trouble and he was taken out with that but he was also the the one that recognized Jesus Christ uh he was the last of the prophets he says there's not one greater than John the Baptist you know um, Jesus spoke that of of John yeah. yeah and he's he Jesus uh John the Baptist saw Jesus coming uh in, in about the time he was baptizing mm-hmm. Jesus he said, "Behold, the Lamb of God right. who so takes he brought, away the yeah, sin of the world." He introduced Jesus. He actually introduced Jesus in that category, in that uh, in that um, spirit, in the, the Lamb of God. He introduced him as the Lamb of God who was going to take away the sins of the world. No one else up to that point had recognized that. I don't believe as Jesus's ministry or as Jesus's call, but the prophet saw it, and the prophet not only saw it but actually introduced it. Here it is. This is the prophecy, and here he is. And it says, you know, you know the story, and it gets into the story of the, the days before the birth of Jesus, Zacharias, yeah. his mm-hmm. father, Zacharias mm-hmm. and Elizabeth. You know, Zacharias was a priest, and he was burning incense in the temple, and he, the angel spoke to him. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, he, they didn't have any children. Uh, Luke one uh, thirteen. but the angel said to him, He's afraid. He sees this angel. It's like, oh my, what's going Freak on? Freak out in the Holy of Holies. <laughs> yeah. Angel said to him, do not be afraid, Zacharias, for your prayer is heard. You And your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son, and you shall call his name John. And you will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth, for he shall be great in the sight of the Lord. He shall drink neither wine nor strong drink. He will also be filled with the Holy Spirit, even from his mother's womb. Mm-hmm. And he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. There you go. And Are he will fathers go, to the children. Right. Mm-hmm. And that's that's the quoting from the Malachi chapter mm-hmm. four. Mm-hmm. The last verses of, of Malachi, the last verses of the Old Testament said he was going to come turn to the heart turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and children to the fathers. Um, the heavenly father would yes. be the father and the children would be his lost, naughty children of Israel. Yeah. And here, verse 17, and he will go before him, that is, go before Jesus. Mm-hmm. In, in front sp- of him. Mm-hmm. In, yeah, go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to there turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and there the disobedient to the wisdom of the just there it is. to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Mm-hmm. So this is it. Why they say Elijah, like you said so well, if you like a minute ago or so, that he is completing, in a sense, he's a, kind of extending the ministry of the Elijah. The spirit of Elijah. The mm-hmm. spirit and power, what does it say The here? prophetic spirit and power of Elijah goes all the, the way down to John the Baptist. The spirit and power of Elijah. And then it, it fulfills the prophecy in Malachi. That, that, uh, the, then they understood. they understood that Jesus was talking about uh, that he was spoke to them of John the Baptist. So when they were asking about Elijah, Jesus said that was John the Baptist. And so it's not like he, Elijah's reincarnated as John the Baptist. It's like right. like the spirit that propelled, compelled, uh, or authorized, inspired Elijah, which would come again through John the Baptist to complete the prof- prophecy in Malachi, that uh, that John the Baptist, as you just read in the first uh, chapter of Luke, that it was prophesied that John the Baptist would be Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children. And the children of the Father. So this is where the Father, God the Father, the Heavenly Father, is being reconciled, restored to a relationship with his children that is more than just perfunctory. Perfunctory. The perfunctory, I got to do this duty kind of thing, law, you know, tabernacle sacrifices, blood sacrifices, observe the calendars, blah, blah, blah. This is now being turned to the, made into the heart. The the law was... Uh, the, the law of, of thou shalt not could not be written on the hearts because you cannot legislate love. But they were, but God was writing this law now into their hearts as reconciliation with the father, the children to the father, the fathers to the children. So basically Jesus is saying John the Baptist fulfilled Elijah's ministry and John the Baptist fulfilled that prophecy in Malachi and John the Baptist and Elijah are of the same, um, uh, calling, so to speak. Same spirit, same And, and it's also interesting, John the Baptist was a cousin 
of Jesus, uh, the Son of God, a, a biological cousin. So he's got a half cousin or whatever, but I don't know. But I think it was on his mother's side, wasn't it? Elizabeth. Yeah, Elizabeth yeah. and mm-hmm. Mary. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, so we're, we're cousins. One of his so. human cousins. So. Yeah, one of his human cousins. So, and, and, and yet they both had spiritual mandates, uh, things to um, perform. And says, um, so in, in the market says, if we haven't read this already, uh, and they asked him in verse 11, why do the scribes say Elijah must come first? They're still trying to, the scribes are trying to figure out finally what was that prophecy in Malachi about? Uh, and he said to them, Elijah does come first and restores all things. And, and now it is written concerning the Son of Man. How it is How is it written concerning the Son of Man that he must suffer many things and be treated with contempt? But I say to you that Elijah has already come and they did not, and they did to him whatever they wished as it is written of him. So Elijah came again as John the Baptist the second time, and that's what he's talking about. And they did to him what they wanted. They cut off his head. So um, the first time Elijah died, we don't know if he died, actually, he was whisked up in the fiery chariot. But in his uh, contemporary counterpart, John the Baptist, there there was a loss of his life. So we see here kind of a wrapping up loose ends. Who is this Elijah? Uh, when is he going to come again? And so this transfiguration kind of laid that piece to rest. If you want to pay attention, see to there, it. there was a there was, yeah great great revelation that took place. You know the revelation of who Jesus is, mm-hmm. right? Okay, mm-hmm. not only you know seeing his glory, but then having the word from the Father coming. This is my Could beloved confirm. son. This is my beloved him. son. Yeah, seeing Moses and Elijah, mm-hmm. that they're still they're still alive. I mean, right. they're, 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 they're just not they're, here all the they're time. They're in glory. This, yeah. <laughs> well, that's like your loved ones. They're still alive somewhere. They're not with you in this moment, in this room, in this experience on this earth, in their physical, natural worlds, lives, bodies. But they are still alive. They are those who love God are alive. They're just not here right now. So that becomes a, 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 a comfort to those who may have lost loved ones that you will see them again, and Jesus is eager for you to see them again. Um, and he's eager for there never to be another death departing, um, where death cuts or separates or removes. What really death does is it it uh, separates the dimensions. You know, we walk when we're in our human forms and we go through a human death. <coughs> we walk through a door called death into that dimension into that dimension that, that Jesus is is ex- exposing or allowing Peter James and John to look into right now it's that spiritual dimension and it's with us but only we can't see it we don't experience it all the time so death becomes the door of graduation that moves us from this natural three-dimensional four-dimensional whatever dimensional world into the supernatural dimensions of eternity and so um and Jesus is talking about his death I'm going to I'm going to die I'm going to leave this dimension through death and crucifixion and but he's saying but just hold up don't tell everybody right yet well we've got a, a few more things we got to do mm-hmm. and and it's like um he told uh the the voice of one crying in the wilderness luke chapter three yeah. prepare the way of the lord make its path straight mm-hmm. uh, every valley shall be filled every mountain and hill be brought low and the crooked places shall be made straight, and the rough ways smooth, and all flesh shall see the salvation of God. Mm-hmm. So John the Baptist was a herald back in the day when there was a, ver- a dignitary yeah. that was coming to a certain place. They would send out someone ahead to clear if the tree had fallen across the road or there was a bumpy clear spot. Up the roads, yeah. They'd they'd fill in the uh, fill in the. Uh, ruts. The ruts. Mm-hmm. They take move the rocks out of the way. So the to dignitary prepare would, the way yeah. for the dignity. And so this is the role of John the Baptist, preparing the way. And what was the message of John the Baptist? Repent, Repent. change your mind, mm-hmm. change for your the mind. Kingdom of heaven is at and hand, he gave yeah. instructions. He said it, what that meant. He said, to, you know, for example, he said to the soldiers, "He said, what shall we do?" Well, he said, um, "Don't do any violence to anybody." Mm-hmm. That's something to tell a soldier. And and then he said, "Be content with your wages." Yeah. So he was giving specific uh, directions. Yeah. As, at least some specific things for them to do. Yeah. As a, a sign of repentance. Well, as he heralded Jesus's first coming and prepared us with a heads up, this is the King. 
Uh, I believe there is a heralding of the second coming, the return of Jesus Christ. So, Father, we do thank you for this glimpse into eternity through the transfiguration, through allowing us to participate with it through the eyes of of the writers of Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and that you would um, inspire our hearts to know that our light affliction, which is but for a moment, works in us and for us a far more eternal and exceeding weight of glory, that we can participate with you, that we can see beyond the circumstances, that we will not be overtaken by the discouragements, by the bitterness, by the temptations, because we must confess, Lord God, that our uh, those temptations to sin are drafted in hell and that they are not our mind, that they are the thoughts the enemy would put in us. So, Lord, help us to overcome through your word, through your will, and bless us, Father, in Jesus' name, amen. Yes, Lord, and, and help us to be encouraged when there's things that we don't understand. Mm-hmm. We think of how you're going to do it, how you're going to work it out, but it's different. Help us to trust and rest, knowing that your ways are higher than our ways, and you have the very best in mind for us always, because you love us so much. Amen, amen and amen. God bless you. I have an emergency. What is your location? Because there's a war for your soul.